Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. Praise the Lord. Would you be so kind to turn your Bibles to our foundational text, our foundational text that we've been using. Well, I need to say it, don't we? We haven't been together for a couple of services, and some of you have forgotten. But, well, quickly, if you'll just turn to 2 Timothy. Uh, I know I'm throwing a curve on the video department, but we'll be all right. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And thank you again so much for coming out on this blistering Wednesday night. Thank you for coming out. Praise the Lord. And for those of you who are upset we didn't have service Sunday, I pray that you'll forgive me. But uh, I always try to take into account all of our members. And I just thought it would be wise and safe for all, all of our members. Hopefully you didn't backslide by missing one Sunday. Are you in 2 Timothy chapter 4? And, and then we're going to, uh, I, I trust that we'll be blessed tonight. The title of my message tonight is The Doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And I will have a handout for you, hopefully, uh, before the service is over. I was hoping to give it to you at the beginning, but I trust that by the end that we'll, we'll, have, it, we'll have it ready. Amen? Are you in 2 Timothy chapter number 4? If you're there, say amen. We're waiting just a couple of minutes for our e-church. A couple of them are a little slow tonight. Praise God. All right, I believe everybody's there. Look at verse number one. And this is Apostle Paul. He's talking to this young pastor. And he says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead. Boy, a lot of Christians don't realize one day we're going to stand before God and give an account for what we've done in this lifetime. Uh, the living and the dead and his appearing at his kingdom. Then verse 2, he charges this young pastor, Steve Howe. He says, preach the word, not your feelings, not current events, but preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. And then he says to Pastor Steve, he said, listen, it's going to be a challenge in 2024, but you must preach, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time not will come now, but the time has come. Somebody says has come. Notice in verse three, it says for the time will come. Well, that will come has now become has come for the time has come when they will not endure. Come on, talk to me. Sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap upon themselves teachers. They'll choose their own pastors. And they will turn their ears away from what? From the truth. Well, if you turn from the truth, there's nothing left but a lie. But they're going to rejoice over the lie rather than rejoicing over the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, talking to the body of Christ, is talking to those who are listening tonight. But you be watchful in all things, enduring afflictions, do the work. Now, notice what he says to this young pastor, Timothy. Timothy is what? He's a pastor. But Paul tells him to do the work of an evangelist. Ooh, Jesus. Come on, get on with me. Go on board with me tonight because I really got some things I want to share with you. He says, but do the work of an evangelist fulfilling your ministry. The point being made is that the time has come when now people are not enduring sound doctrine. Can somebody say amen? Now, having said that, if they would go ahead, come on video department and put up nugget number one. Ready? Read. Come on, say that again. The Holy Spirit of God is a person. I used to offend him because I didn't know any better, because they didn't teach me any better, and because I didn't know any better and they didn't teach me any better, I used to address the Holy Spirit as a it. 
And he is not a it. He is a person. Oh, God, you're going to get your hand out. And if he is a person, that means he has feelings. That means he can hear, he can see. Oh, Jesus. Why? Because he is a person. God, nugget number two. Ready? Read. You must have right doctrine before you can have right actions. Nugget number three, please. Come on, you've reread this a few services ago. Ready? Read it again. Doctrine will always lead to action. Doctrine will always lead you to action. Nugget number four. So sound doctrine will always rest upon the word of God. Anything apart from the word of God is not sound doctrine. You see, you don't gather here faithfully like you do to hear my opinion. Because we all have an opinion. But the word of God cancels all of our opinions. We're going to find out in just a moment. That the word of God cancels all of our opinions. Why? Because sound doctrine must rest upon Bible truth. Nugget number five, and we'll call it a day on that one. Ready? Read. Read it again. Read it one more time. Come on, E-Church. Ready? Read. Okay, somebody read it wrong. Let's read it one more time. I heard it over here. Ready? Read. The Holy Spirit is that blessed third person of the Godhead. And now the reason I'm being repetitious with this particular point is because I want to get it into your soul, into your heart, into your mind, that the Holy Ghost is a person. And if he is a person, you can talk to him. And if he is a person, he will talk to you. Now, I grew up thinking that he was an it. Now, I remember when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, 1969. Uh, uh, it was in December, December, I believe the 9th, 1969. It was 2.30 a.m. in the morning at 205 West Liberty Street, 2.30 in the morning, upstairs in the bedroom of, of, of uh, Sister Catherine Hansbro. Now, I grew up in church in this particular denomination where they said you had to tarry. And uh, I tarried for six months. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. But then, I don't know, for some reason, at 2.30 in the morning, I knew I was going to be filled. I told my brother Earl Raglan, I said, man, take me over in Catherine's house, and I'm going to be filled tonight. He said, man, it's 2 or something in the morning. I said, but I get over there, I'm going to be filled. I went up over her house. She opened the door. We went upstairs in the bedroom. I got on my knees. I said, hallelujah, hallelujah, maybe two or three times, and then I took off. And started speaking in tongues. And sad to say, Maybe I wasn't listening, so I'm not blaming anybody. But I thought that was it. And then some erroneous information that I received, I, I was under the impression that I couldn't pray in the spirit until I felt something. So I was always waiting for something to hit me. And like some of you, nothing hits you. So my praying in the spirit was very, very shallow. Because I couldn't pray unless I felt something. Then I got into the word of God and I realized that the baptism in the Holy Ghost is a gift from God. To help us to pray for things that we know not how we should pray for. He's our helper. 
Glory to God. And if he is a gift, and he is, then I should be able to use my gift whenever I get ready or want to use my gift. If I can't use it when I want to, then it's not my gift. So later I discovered that I could pray in the spirit whenever I chose to pray. I can pray in a known language and I can pray in an unknown language. Matter of fact, early today or most of the day, all early morning, early afternoon, I prayed on the other side of this wall. I prayed in a known language. I knew what I was saying, and I prayed in the Spirit. I walked through this edifice, and I prayed in the Holy Ghost. I probably prayed on the pew that you're sitting on right now, and I prayed in the Spirit. Somebody said, do you know what you was praying? No, but my spirit was praying to the Father, the perfect will of God, and you're sitting on my prayer. And I don't know what you're sitting on because I don't know what you're facing or what you're going or going through. But you sit on victory. I said you're sitting on victory because somebody prayed the perfect will of God for you. Because God answers prayer and he does nothing until somebody prays. Can somebody say amen to this truth? So nugget number one says the Holy Spirit of God is a person. Say it with me. He is not an it. He is a person. At the beginning or the very beginning of the church, go to Acts chapter 2. Let's deal with the beginning. At the beginning of the church, on the day of Pentecost, we are told this is the beginning of the church. This is where the church was birthed at the beginning of the church. And the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. Can somebody say amen? Acts chapter 2, look at verse 42 with me, please. Then those, well, verse 42, we'll back up the verse. Back up to verse 40. And when many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. How in the world could they say, be, be, be preserved or be saved from this perverse generation? If they were facing a perverse generation then, what kind of generation are we facing? Then those who gladly received his words were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls. Boy, I want to witness that in my lifetime. 3,000 souls were added to the church. And they continued, here we go, this is the point. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Well, this is powerful. So Acts chapter 2, verse 42, shows us that there were four things that when the church was birthed, after it was birthed, they continued after it was birthed in how many things? How many things? They continued in how many things? Four things. One, they continued in the apostles' doctrine. Not false doctrine. Not somebody else's doctrine. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. Number two, they fellowshiped. Number three, the breaking of bread. Number four, they continued in prayer. Good God of mercy. So they was praying for they got filled and they prayed after they got filled. They never stopped breaking bread. They never turned away from the apostles' doctrine. They never turned away from fellowship. And they never turned away from breaking bread. Now breaking bread, this is talking about more than communion. 
When it talks about breaking bread, it's talking about that they stayed. Somebody say stayed. They stayed in relationship with Jesus. And you can be in church and not in relationship with the master. Some of us just go to church because that's what we do. But going to church don't save you. Somebody need to say amen. I said somebody need to say amen. So the breaking of bread is relationship with Christ. So they were birthed into the church through Christ and they stayed in fellowship, relationship with Christ. How do we stay in relationship with Jesus? We stay in relationship with him by feasting on his word. We stay in relationship with him by constantly and consistently staying in an attitude of prayer. We stay in relationship with Jesus by doing what he said, by being obedient to the word of God. We stay in relationship with Jesus when we die to ourselves and we are alive unto his will. We stay strong in the Lord when we pray in the spirit, building ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So if that be the case, how often do you and I, how often do we pray in the spirit? And let me put it on record that you don't have to feel anything to pray in the spirit. You can just do it because you've been filled with the spirit. Are you listening to me? You may not feel anything necessarily when you're praying in the spirit. And you may not feel anything after you get finished praying. I've been there. And so the enemy will jump on your shoulder and say, you've just been wasting a bunch of time. You don't feel nothing because nothing happened. All you need to do is tell the devil to shut up. When I was praying in the spirit, I wasn't talking to you, devil. I was talking to God. Are you listening to me? And whatever was said, God understood it. And the answer is on the way. Good God of mercy. Preach, boy. Are you all with me? Now, uh, nugget number two stated that you must have right doctrine or right teaching before you can have right action. You must have right doctrine. I shared with you in a former lesson that doctrine is just simply teaching. Don't get all discombobulated over the word doctrine. It's just teaching. But you don't need teaching. You need sound teaching. And sound teaching is teaching that is the truth. And this is the truth. Nothing but the truth. So help all of us God. Can somebody say amen? Now, now uh, the culture today, this, this is going to help you, because the culture is saying it doesn't make any difference what you believe. Just so you act right. And I'm saying that that belief is dead wrong. And I've heard some very powerful people if I said their names, many of you would know them and listen to them. And they'll say, it doesn't make any difference what you believe. Just as long as you believe. And just as long as you, you know, you try to do right by people. Well, it sounds good, <clears throat> but, but it's wrong. Let, let me give you uh, an example. Uh, how many of you drove to church tonight? Can I see your hand? Ooh, that's almost everybody. And those who didn't drive rode with somebody. So let's just say, for an example, uh, you are driving down uh, I-435. And, and you're going down the interstate at, uh, oh, let's just say you, you do the speed limit. <laughs> 55. And it's a three-lane interstate, most Interstates are two or three lanes, but certainly two. In other words, typically when you're on the interstate, you have options. You know, the center lane, right far lane, left far lane, or whatever. But you're driving down the interstate. Are we all together? And, and you're driving down I-45, I-435, and you're thinking, somebody say thinking. You're thinking to turn right. 
whether that means making a turn off an exit or turning into a lane to your right. You're thinking it. Then you put on your blinkers. How many of you put your blinkers on? I close my eyes. Okay, so, so you're thinking turn to the right, yes? You put the blinkers stating that whoever is watching you or following you, that you're turning to the right. You're thinking turn to the right. Your blinkers are blinking that you're going to turn right or you're going to move over into the right lane, yes? Then you move into the left lane or you turn to the left instead of the right. So it's clear your thinking is gonna get you in trouble. Why? Because it's important that your thinking lines up with your actions. I said it's important that your thinking line up with your actions. If not, there's, there's going to be trouble on the interstate. And, and you may be on the 6 o'clock news. And you may be blaming the other person for the accident. But the camera caught you. And the camera caught your mind and your actions. And the camera said you were thinking right. You put the signal to turn right, but you turned left. So whose fault is it? Is it the person behind you? Because you told them you were going to go one direction, you went another? Are you all listening to me? So it is important that what you think line up with your actions. What you think and your actions have to be the same if there's going to be safety. If not, there's going to be trouble. Can somebody say amen? So again, doctrine will always lead to action. Now let's turn to John. We've been there the last time we were together. John chapter 7 and verse number 17. John chapter 7, verse 17. John 7, verse 17. Ready? Listen. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. That's powerful. I'll read it again. If anyone wills to do his will, and your Bible is the his capital, is that capital? So that means that we as Christians, we're designed to do God's will and not ours. Amen? Who desires to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, which just simply means the only way you're going to do God's will, you have to know God's truth. The only way to do God's will you have to know God's truth. I used to believe because I was taught that God worked in a mysterious way. So anything that happened in my life that I didn't understand, I just attributed that it's something mysterious that I'm not supposed to know. But when I got into the word and began to receive sound doctrine, I come to realize that God doesn't work in a mysterious way. He works according to his word. It's only mysterious when you don't know what he says. And you don't know what he says if you don't study or come to a church like this and allow me to teach you. Can somebody say amen to that truth? Now, let's go to 2 Timothy again. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We were in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, but let's back up to chapter 3. Ooh, we look at verse number 16. This is sound doctrine. Verse 16. Look on the screen, everybody. Ready? Please read. Ready? Read. Read it again. Read it again. Let, let's stop right there. All scripture. So that means you don't let somebody come up and walk up in your face and tell you part of it's wrong. 
I, I know what the Bible says, but there's a couple, there's a couple of errors. There's no errors. Yeah, I know you all, you Bible, you go out there that harvest, but there's contradictions. There's no contradictions. Are you listening to me? Ready? Read. All scripture. Ah, yes. Ah, man. All scripture is given by inspiration of God that the man, the woman of God, may be complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the only way to fulfill God's will, we must have the truth. Are you listening to me? We must have the truth. We must have sound doctrine. Now, I'm really honing in on this because there's a lot of voices out there now. A lot of cults are springing up everywhere, and they're drawing large groups of people. Why? Because even some church folk are not rooted and grounded in the truth. It's not enough for you to come to church, and it's not enough for you to say amen. But do you know what you're saying amen to, and do you believe it? Because we do what we believe. I said, we do what we believe. If we don't believe we'll get in trouble for doing something, we do it. Sometimes even when we know we're going to get in trouble, we do it. But we do what we believe. If I really, and I'm talking to all of us, including myself, if I really believe that God meant what he said, then my life would be better. There's some things we wouldn't do if we really believe God meant what he said. We would pray more if we really believed it was powerful. Who, Jesus. Is, is this good? I said, is this good? Go to the, the first synoptic gospel, chapter 6, because this is Harvest Church, isn't it? Aren't you all in this? Aren't you all doing a Y'all having a nut feast? Aren't you, aren't you all in what, what you call a Daniel's fast? And uh, it's, it's sad because this modern day church don't fast. And, and I grew up where we fasted every Wednesday. As a matter of fact, there's one major denomination, I won't mention it, but you couldn't be a, a licensed or ordained minister unless you agreed to fast every Wednesday and Friday from morning until 6 o'clock or 4 o'clock. They wouldn't ordain you if you weren't going to submit to a life of prayer and fasting. Come on, say amen to the truth. Because I don't know how you can really preach. I don't even mind you say you can call yourself a minister and you never engage in fasting and praying. I don't know how you're hearing from God and you never, you never push away the plate. You, you never tell the flesh, you don't rule me. Are you all listening to me? I mean, the, the, you know, there's some things about the flesh that's okay, but the flesh is a horrible master. It's a horrible master. If you let your flesh just do what it wanted, it'll take you to an early grave and then the preacher will blame it on God. You don't have to die until your time is for you to die. When you're born, you're born at a time. They give you a time when you were born, but everything that was born have an expiration date, but you can shorten the time. Don't tell me you can't. I said, don't tell me that. I can right now leave this facility, walk out there on I-435 and think that I'm going to see my truck and get on the interstate and try to keep up and you all will be having my funeral. 
Don't, don't say that. Because some people take their lives. And it's not God's will for them to kill themselves. And then the preacher, you know, we gather together and the preacher blames it on God. Then the people who are struggling with their faith, they think God is killing folk. Which is contrary to scripture. Jesus said, I come that you might have life, not death. Death is an enemy. And the Bible says, sound doctrine, that death is the last enemy to be put underfoot. But as believers, we should rejoice because to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Good God of mercy. Can somebody say amen? Therefore, doctrine, according to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, doctrine must rest upon Bible truths. Now, I'm going to close with this. Go to Acts chapter 19. And I'll close with this. Acts chapter 19. We're dealing with the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 19. Apostle Paul here in Ephesus, he is, uh, he's questioning uh, a group of Ephesian church members. Actually, actually in, in Acts chapter uh, number 19, Paul was really dealing with uh, the disciples of John the Baptist. Are you all with me? And, and he's dealing with them about the doctrine. Say doctrine. He's dealing with them about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Look, look at this. Uh, th this, is, this is so powerful. Uh, Acts chapter 19, uh, verse number 2. Look at verse 1. And it happened, are you in verse number 1? And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. Now, Apollos was a powerful preacher. It's my, Apollos was a dynamic preacher. And, and Apollos, evidently, he had already preached in Ephesus. And Paul, on his second uh, missionary journey, he came through Ephesus, but he didn't minister. And he told the church at Ephesus, he says, I'll be back. And so now we're getting ready to read Apostle Paul uh, living up to his word because it's not good for a person to give their word and don't come through. It's not good for you to tell somebody you're going to do something and you don't do it. It, it, uh, it wanes on your credibility. Uh, it's, it's hard for people to trust you when they discover your word's no good. Can somebody say amen? And so this is the backdrop to what we're getting ready to read in Acts 19, verse number 2. Let me read one again. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding, come on, and finding, come on, and finding some disciples. Now, what is a disciple? A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a follower. A disciple is a student of a master teacher. Are you listening to me? Verse 2. He said to them, who said it? Paul, who was he talking to? He was talking to the church at Ephesus. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Are you, can you all handle this? So they said to him, what did they say? Come on, read it out loud. What did they say? We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Oh, Jesus. Why? Because they were baptized under John the Baptist. So they weren't even born again. And you can't be filled with the Spirit until you get born again. 
You don't get filled with the Spirit, then get born again. You get born again, then you get filled with the Spirit. Are you all listening to me? So look at Paul. He says, they said, we have not so much as heard whether there is. Oh, man, this, this is, this is, this is, this is something. Why? Why, why is this so awesome? Because here in 2024, we're still living in this universal ignorance about the Holy Spirit. You got pastors, leaders who don't even believe in the Holy Ghost. They will say that it's something long gone that went out with the apostles. That there's no need for the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Well, I want to go on record that I don't know how you can make it without the help of the Holy Ghost. And if we didn't need him, why did Jesus send him? Jesus said, it is needful for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the comforter, the helper, the paraclete, the standby, the strengthener, he won't be able to come. And why did he say it would be better for you? Because Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. But the Holy Ghost is everywhere. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. Are you listening to me? He know all. He see all. And he's all powerful. And he's everywhere. Jesus could only be one place at one time. But the Holy Ghost can be in my house, in your house, in your neighbor's house at the same time. Are you all listening to me tonight? So this universal ignorance concerning this powerful ministry of the blessed third person of the Trinity. And most of the opposition today, it is against him. And notice I didn't call him an it. You say God, yeah, you're kind of all right. You say Jesus, in some circles you'll be okay. But when you go to talking about the Holy Ghost, because he is the agent of the Godhead that is in the earth. Jesus, can you all handle this? Jesus is not here. And Jesus is not that picture you have hanging on your wall. And he doesn't look anything like that picture you have hanging on your wall. As a matter of fact, that picture has done more damage to sound doctrine. There's people who have a struggle receiving the truth of the kingdom because of that picture. Because they think Jesus looks like that picture. And that picture is a lie. And it has stumbled more people. And that cross that you have around your neck, that's an idol. That cross around your neck don't protect you. The kingdom of God is not witchcraft. So you treat the cross like some people treat a rabbit foot. And you've been brainwashed into, from Hollywood about if you hold up the cross, the devil will flee. Ain't no real wolves in here. Drexler's not on your pew. And you having a cross around your neck don't make you a believer. Some wear a cross because it's a style. And let me go on record in saying this. And those who have a cross with some emblem hanging on it, that's not where Jesus is. And it's going to be difficult for you to walk in victory is that every time in your mind you see Jesus hanging on a cross. Yeah, go to the cross, but don't stop there. You got to go on to resurrection. And then don't stop at resurrection. You got to go on to Pentecost.
Are you all listening to me? I got something around my neck. It's not a cross. I got a buffalo. And I have a buffalo. It don't protect nothing. But the buffalo just reminds me that no matter how difficult the situation that I'm in, to keep fighting. Because a buffalo out on the range when it's cold and freezing and the wind is blowing and other things around are dying, the buffalo will turn his head toward the wind, drop his head, and plow through the storm. And every time I get a little discouraged, I look at the buffalo, and I said, if the buffalo can plow through the storm, I got God on my side. Then I can plow through the storm. Are you all listening to me? Because of false doctrine, the Holy Spirit, in many cases, he is ignored. And can I go ahead and say it like I need to minister without you getting offended? You'll be amazed at how many times you have ignored him. And part of ignoring in him is that you don't pray in the spirit. As a child of God and filled with the spirit, you should be praying in the spirit every day. Every opportunity you get. I'm not talking about in your job being spooky. You know, you're in your cubicle, your little area, and you praying in some, you know, praying, and folks think you're crazy. But folks think you're crazy. But you don't have to pray out loud. I can pray in the spirit almost under my breath. Are you all listening to me? Now, I asked you to turn to the first synoptic gospel, didn't I? You thought I forgot. Go to chapter 6. You being blessed tonight? Look at this. Because I was really trying to nudge you all of you a little bit because you're on this 21-day Daniel's prayer and fasting and, and eating nuts, cashews and stuff. Some of you are full of it now. But I want you to know it's not in vain. Look at verse 7. Verse 7. Ready? Listen. And when you pray, what's well, on the screen? Ready? Read with me. Re read it again. Read it one more time. Go ahead. As the heathens do. In other words, every time you pray, God don't want to hear the same thing. Don't you have something else to say? Now lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die for the... Man, you've been praying that since you were 10. You're 60. You don't have nothing else to say to God? Your, your prayer life haven't developed beyond that? That's like a child being born saying, God, God, goo, goo. That's all right at, at three months old. But I don't want to hear that at 13. Are you all listening to me? So your prayer life, come on, point to somebody so they know I'm talking to them. Say your prayer life, your prayer life should be expanding. Look at me. You shouldn't be talking to God now like you were talking to him 10 years ago or when you first got saved. When you first got saved, you didn't really know what to say. But now you've been in the word and you've experienced life and you have a resume of the goodness of God and the keeping power of God and the miracle working power of God. Now that you have a resume, you're so thankful that he brought you from a mighty long way. So you should be talking to God now in a different way than you did 20 years ago. And when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathens do. They pray that way because they don't really know God. They have no relationship with God. They're just religious. 
Is this good? For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Sometimes, saints, when you go into a time of prayer, you don't say anything. Try it. It'll make you real uncomfortable because you think you're supposed to be running your mouth. And some of the most powerful encounters I've ever had with God is when I got on my face and said nothing and just tuned my ears up to listen. As I had occasions even today. It would be a shame that the only time I stand in this pulpit is when I'm preaching or teaching and spend no time in this space on my face. And no, you're not here because it's not for an audience, because I'm not trying to get your attention. I want his. I want to know that what I'm doing, I'm doing as a directions of the head of the church. So that no matter what you say or how you look when I'm preaching or teaching, I know I'm doing what God has downloaded into my spirit. Oh, man. Can somebody say amen to this? Look at this, look at this other verse. Look at, the, look at verse number 16. Verse number 16. Same chapter, just the 16th verse. Ready? Read. Read it again. No, hold on. Remember, the, the first verse says, and when you pray. Now it says, when you fast. Notice Jesus didn't say, if you pray. Notice he didn't say, if you fast. He says, when you pray. And he said, when you fast. So Jesus is expecting a child of God to pray and to fast. And one of the great things that Satan hates for any believer to engage in it's prayer and fasting. It's something about pushing away that plate that makes you more sensitive to the Spirit of God. It's something about telling the flesh no that opens your spirit up to hear what heaven is saying. And it is a wonderful experience. Can somebody say amen? In the New Testament passage, the Word of God refers to the Holy Spirit 261 times. In the New Testament, 261 passages refers to the Holy Spirit. He is mentioned 56 times in the Gospels, talking about the Holy Ghost. He is mentioned, he is mentioned 57 times in the book of Acts alone. He is mentioned 112 times in the Pauline epistles. And he is mentioned 36 times in the remainder of the New Testament. Clearly, if he's been mentioned or referred to in 261 reference in the New Testament, I would say it is important for you and I to get to know him. Are you all listening to me? Can I go ahead? I did not say get to know Jesus. Because he is the second person of the Godhead. Yes, you need to know him. But Jesus sent the third person to help you. And the more you know how he can help you, the more help you can receive from him. Oh, God. Are you listening? I know this may sound a little foreign to you, but you need to know the Holy Spirit. Are you listening? And he is more than you just speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues just simply means 
you've been introduced to him. But to know him, you have to fellowship with him. Can I help you now? If he's a person, then he can talk to you and you can talk to him. This is not heresy. This is sound doctrine. And in many cases, we've been weak in certain battles because we didn't know we could talk to the Holy Ghost. And we didn't know by ignoring him, he gets offended. Or a better word, he gets grieved. That's a better interpretation. Because when you get offended, that's a, that's a sign to you that you're immature. And sometimes God would allow certain things to happen so that you can see if you'll get offended. Because it's only when you have opportunities to get offended where you're able to judge your spiritual growth. Because the only way you can get offended, you have to be immature. When you're sounding the word of God, nothing by any means will offend you. I don't care what they say or what they do. You're beyond that spiritually. But when you're not spiritually mature, you can get offended over it. You can get offended if I go preach too long. People leave church because they're offended or stop coming. It's only a sign of their immaturity. And God always affords all of us an opportunity to be offended so that we can locate ourselves. When he spoke to everybody in this room, he didn't speak to me. Wait till I see them again. Next time they speak to me, I'm not saying nothing. Why? You're offended. You're offended. You failed the test. Now you got to take it again. Pastor's preaching, and it looked like he's just looking at me. Really? Somebody invites you to the church. And I'm standing up here ministering, and, and the person you invited, they're mad at you because they think you called me and told me about their situation before you brought them to the church. Instead of the word of God setting them free, they get offended. But you've been around the word too long to be getting offended now. You're much too mature for that. And most of the times when you get offended, it's just a misunderstanding. And sometimes what you thought it was, it wasn't even that. What you thought you heard, that's not really what they said or what they meant. Can somebody say amen? Is this blessing anybody at all? So let's, let's, let's close out with this. John chapter 16, and uh, I hope you were blessed tonight. John chapter 16, and I pray that you'll start talking to him. I didn't say stop talking to Jesus, but talk to the Holy Spirit too. Talk to him. Holy Ghost, help me. Holy Ghost, help me. Holy Ghost, what do I do in this situation? Holy Ghost, I did study, but I don't remember this question on the test. Let me go on this side. Holy Ghost, I did study, but I don't remember this question on the test. Which, was, which one is it? Is it A, B, or C, or D? Yeah, give me a witness. Yes, he will. Holy Spirit, help me on this driving test. Help me on this written driving test. I've taken it eight times. Help me. You're looking at me, for, but he's a helper. Holy Spirit, I met this guy, I met this young lady, and I mean, they seem to be everything I ever dreamed, and they're saying all the things. Boy, when I see them, my heart just gets, if, if I see their phone number on my phone, I get happy. But Holy Ghost, is this, is, is this my, is this my, is this an Ishmael, or is this my blessing? He's your helper. They're offering me this new job in a new location. Are you telling me to go there or should I stay in Kansas City where it's warm? Are you in John chapter 16? Look at verse number 7. 
Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Who's talking? For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Or righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you, you can't handle it right now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truths. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Jesus was emphatically talking about the precious, gracious, mighty Holy Spirit that he sent to help us. And he said it was to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go, he won't come. Well, how will they know that he has come? Because the Bible says they watched him ascend in the heaven. But he said, it is to your advantage that I go. Well, how will they know that the Holy Spirit has come? They saw Jesus leave, yes? But how would they know that the Holy Spirit has come. Jesus had a body. They could see him, but the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit is invisible. We know Jesus was here. We saw him and we saw him ascend. But he said he's sending a helper that we can't see. So how will we know that he's here? And how will you know that he's with you? Because you can't see him. So he told the 120, well, he really told more than that, but only 120 obeyed, including Jesus' mother. They went to Jerusalem in the upper room, and they tarried, meaning that they waited. It don't mean they was in there saying, hallelujah, hallelujah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Tarry just seems, it just simply means to wait. And what were they waiting on? They was waiting on the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is amazing because they're waiting for something they've never seen. And when it comes, you're still not going to see him. They're waiting for something they've never seen. And when he arrives, they still won't see him. Jesus. I said they're waiting for something they've never seen. And when he arrived, they still won't see him. So how will they know? Jesus. That the comforter, not will come, has come. The Bible says, and there came as a mighty rushing wind that filled the whole room. How is the room experiencing a wind with the door shut and the windows locked? And the Bible says, and the Holy Ghost sat upon each one of them. And they began to speak as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. I don't know what all they got in the upper room. But I do know when they came out of the upper room, the community thought they were drunk. Are you listening to me? And Peter, who used to be scared until he got filled with the Holy Ghost, 
The Bible says he stood up and said to the community, these Christians, these believers at Harvest Church are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel that in the last days, I'm going to pour out of my spirit upon So how can you be defeated with the Holy Ghost on the inside of you? That's why Paul talking to Timmy, see, he said, stir it up. Can I go ahead and close? One of the dangers that we're experiencing today, Minister Godot, is that all we get is teaching. Most of the time, when you go somewhere, all you get is teaching. And teaching is good, but preaching is what will set your soul on fire. That's why Tim Paul told Timothy, I know you're a pastor, but do the work of an evangelist. Why? Because you can't be an evangelist without fire. You can't be an evangelist without excitement. You can't be an evangelist without telling people about Jesus. An evangelist gets people saved. And so what the church needs today, we need some preaching. We need some preaching to these dry bones. Who are all teached up and frustrated because they're constipated with all of this teaching and they have no outlet through evangelism. Because you can be dead and indifferent and be almost like a funeral with teaching, but you can't do it with preaching. Preaching will set your posterior on fire. Almost said something else. And that's what the church is missing. We need fire baptized preaching. That's why there's so much sin in the church. Nobody's preaching with enough fire to burn it out. The kind of preaching that will make a sinner cry out, what must I do to be saved? And I'm done. God bless you. I love you so much. This is midweek Bible study. Come on, give the Lord a great big God bless you. Amen. Give him what you didn't give him Sunday and last Wednesday. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Let me say this. Is there anybody here? How many of you say? Nobody really comes out this kind of weather. Amen. Let's just born again. I appreciate that. It looked as though everybody raised their hand and even to our e-church. But I can't preach or teach about the Holy Spirit and not afford you an opportunity to be filled with the Spirit. And, uh, you don't hear a lot about that much anymore. People getting saved, but being saved is not enough. You need to be filled with the Spirit if you're going to do the work of the ministry, if you're going to be a witness for God. And so tonight, if you've not been filled with the Spirit, I'm going to pray and believe God that God will fill you with the Spirit of God, that you'll speak with other tongues as they did in the book of Acts as evidence that you've been baptized. Being born of the Spirit, and being filled with the Spirit, those are two separate experiences. If you're born again, you've been born of the Spirit. But in Acts chapter 2, these people who were born of the Spirit were now filled with the Spirit. And every place in the Bible where a Christian got filled with the Spirit, are you listening? Everywhere in the Bible, when a believer got filled with the Spirit, they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance. 
every place, every incident where a person got filled with the Spirit, they spoke with other tongues, just like Jesus' mother did. And it's false doctrine for a teacher or preacher to tell you that that has been relegated to days of old. I'm telling you, you need to be Spirit-filled more today probably than they do the day at Pentecost because you need the help of the Holy Ghost. Can somebody say amen? Praise the Lord. Well, if you're blessed, give the Lord a great big God bless you again. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.